Welcome to the Fantasy Addict Dynasty Podcast with your hosts, Andrew Amore and Frank Sicalese. guys welcome back into the fantasy attic podcast it's great to have everyone back in here listening to our second episode it's also fantastic to have andrew back on the podcast with me as my co-host how are we doing today andrew yeah good thanks frank didn't think we'd ever get this far um two episodes but yeah it's good to have it's good to be back good to talk some fantasy yeah absolutely uh hot on the press for our second episode which is fantastic i also want to welcome joel in for his first appearance on the show joel is andrew's brother and uh he's just here to deliver some absolutely hot tips at the end of the episode so please do stay stay tuned for those ones how are you doing today joel yeah uh good thanks frank um yeah thanks for the invite i just got the message uh yeah happy to happy to join happy to uh Say hi to the listeners and, um, yeah, hopefully find some winners at the end of the episode. Awesome stuff. Awesome stuff. What we'll do is we'll get cracking straight into our news and notes. All right, team. Here are your messages. You have 30 minutes to move your car. You have 10 minutes. Your car has been impounded. Your car has been crushed into a cube. You have 30 minutes to move your cube. Hello, Mr. Burns office. Is it about my cube? First up on our news, we've got Bucks wide receiver Chris Godwin has suffered an ACL tear and his season's over. He will not return uh, as the Chris Godwin owner in our Dynasty League. It's actually heartbreaking news. We've got our first final next week. Um, I'm reeling. Uh, just really, really upsetting stuff. How's everyone else feel about it? Yeah, um, it's, it's great news because, you know, we're going against each other in the playoffs but um i'll tie this into it as well i have mike evans who's done a hamstring it's a strain he should be right to go i think i'm not 100 sure but um chris godwin's dynasty stunks definitely take a hit um especially because you know we don't know where he'll be next year but um yeah it's a, it's, it's a rough way to go frank how are you coping you think you can recover or not really yeah, I, th- I think he'll recover. I don't think the ACL injuries, you know, the be-all and end-all, you know, the uh, science has come a long way. Uh, it's just that, yeah, the fact that he's a free agent and he's not going to probably, whether it was going to be with the Bucks or whether it was going to be in with another team, this injury probably makes it hard for that team to make a big, you know, three, four-year investment with Chris Godwin. It might be more likely now that he gets that one-year, two-year prove-it sort of deal, which isn't sort of great. It doesn't, you know, if you... If he were to get a big four-year contract, the team's almost obligated to give him targets and stuff like that and feed him. Um, but this could throw a bit of a spanner in the works, which is a little bit upsetting. But maybe he comes back to the Bucks for one more year in this case. You know what I mean? He knows the offense, probably good for his career if he sort of believes that he'll stay healthy next year. Mike Evans, yeah, like you said, strained hamstring as well. Last time hearing, it's week-to-week, Andrew. You might be without him for that first final, but uh, we'll wait and see. Uh, you do have a lot of depth on your team, thankfully, uh, for yeah, your sake. Yeah, look. Just going to ch- chime in here. Uh, hamstring injuries, no joke. Um, but if I'm the Mike, God, uh, Mike Evans owner, uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm prepared to bench him this week, even if he is prepared to suit up. Um, you know, just it, it's a possibility of being out there for like 
one series and then something happens and that's it. Like you, you could be copping a one catch, no catch game, like just hamstrings, no joke in general. Like uh, I'm, I'm, I'm out even if he might suit up, like just, I just, I wouldn't do it in the first final. Yeah, that's not a chance, enough. mate. Mike Evans not leaving my starting roster. He's his hamstrings are different, Joel. So, uh, Mike <laughs> Evans, 150 and two touchdowns this week. Book it. He's built different. Fantastic. I love the bravery, Andrew. Um, next up, we've got Giants quarterback Daniel Jones. He's shut down for the rest of the season with his neck injury. Uh, not good to see a young quarterback with his neck in, with a neck injury. It's just yeah, can't be something that's a positive at all to shut him down. I'd rather see him shut, shut down than go back out there behind that offensive line. Um, I don't think he's a fantastic quarterback, but I think he needs sort of a better coaching staff, better offensive line to at least see what he is. I don't think he's, you know, a franchise quarterback, but behind the line that he's faced and what he's had to put up with in terms of coaching, it's hard to actually evaluate the talent. I know Joel's the dynasty owner for Daniel Jones in our league. Um, I'd like to hear what he has to think about uh, Danny Dimes. Oh, Joe Judge is an absolute joke of a head coach in the current NFL. I like just the, some of the decisions, just the, the punting on fourth and short, the, oh, I don't know, just the, uh, the the play calling behind what you know is the bad offensive line. Like just get the ball out of your rookie call. Oh, not your rookie, but your young quarterback's hands. Um, I don't know. You've, you've got some weapons like with, you know, uh, obviously Sterling Shepard's injured, but they signed Kenny Golladay. They've got Saquon Barkley. And like, don't disrespect Kadarius Tony. He's there as well. And obviously, yeah, Kadarius, Kadarius Tony. They've built around Daniel Jones. I just think they need to draft an offensive lineman to have that Chicago Bears extra first round pick. I don't think Daniel Jones is an awful quarterback. I do think the Giants need to shake up that front office, front office head coach, and Perhaps in 2022, we could see improvement. But that Giants franchise has been awful for a long time. So I don't I don't know how we'll be feeling about Daniel Jones, but I, I do want to see one more year out of him before writing him off. Yeah, it'll be hard to see uh, the Giants turning a leaf, um, becoming a really successful franchise in the near future, just the way things have panned out. Um, some slightly better news. Um, AJ Brown designated to return from injury reserve. I know I have AJ Brown in our redraft league. I'm absolutely reeling. Lost Chris Godwin in that league as well. So to have him back, I'm super excited for our uh, second final in that league. So bit of a wide receiver depth I've needed coming at an important time of the year. I don't have much of a choice. I'm going to get him straight back into the lineup. Um, I'm pretty comfortable doing that, putting him straight back into the lineup. He's missed the three weeks, came back from injury reserve. Their season's on the line. They want him out there that he's going to play. I think he'll play close to all the snaps. I think it'll be a full go. What do you think, Joel? You're the uh, dynasty owner for AJ Brown. You do, you know, you're the big AJ Brown truther. Probably lost a bit of value since the beginning of the year. So how do you see him going now that he's back? Yeah, I agree. He lost a bit of value. Um, but uh, I go back to when before Julio Jones came and everyone was treating AJ Brown as like, well, not maybe, maybe not on par with Justin Jefferson, but definitely in the same, you know, tier conversation. And um, I think going forward, like not to say he's going to be number one wide receiver overall, like Justin Jefferson would be, but, you know, I definitely think a big next year, year after, would not be scared about AJ Brown's future at all in the league. Big bodied wide receiver, fast. Ryan Tannehill, 
not the best quarterback, but definitely serviceable enough to support a wide receiver one like AJ Brown. Yeah, um, no, no issues for me at all. Hey, Joel. To... Yeah. Um, just would you do AJ Brown or Debo Samuel? AJ Brown. Wow. Okay. AJ right. Brown or DK Metcalf? AJ Brown. One. Russell Wilson's out of there. AJ Brown. Even though Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf hate each other now, but yeah, AJ Brown. AJ Brown. Um, Jamar Chase. <laughs> Oh, it's Jamar uh, Chase. Come on now. Yeah, Come on, Joel. It's Jamar Chase. It's Jamar Chase. Just yeah. want to get a temperature check on AJ Brown. Oh, it's still, it's still five. red hot. Dynasty wide receiver. Yeah, top five. Definitely yeah. in that five range. Yeah. Yeah, he still probably is for me. I mean, it's been a disappointing season, but I still think he is. I think the talent's there. I think the uh, situation will still be just as good next year. Um, you know, he might win some people some fantasy championships. I hope he does for me. So we'll see. Um, just some, you know, smaller news. Joe Mixon suffered an ankle sprain. I saw that late in the game against the Broncos. I was a bit heartbroken, thought it was a bit more serious. Um, it's sounding like he's not going to miss time. They think he's probably going to practice this week. Um, I think if he practices, even in a limited capacity, he'll play. He's pushed through a lot of injuries in the past. Um, if he is to miss, Samaj so P. P. Ryan is obviously the pickup on waivers. I think he'll be a very popular one. Um, not too, too worried. Uh, Chiefs tight end, Travis Kelsey. He's been placed on the COVID list. Um, he is vaccinated, so there's a chance he'll be back for Sunday with the uh, new protocols that have been brought in. So, again, another player that I've got, uh, really want him back for that second final. I'm um, just going through to have a look at some any other news. Uh, Elijah Mitchell, he's uh, apparently he's going to be a game-time decision come Thursday. Um, as far as he's concerned, he just seems to keep getting banged up and nicked up and can't seem to get up back on the field. It'd be interesting to see if he does get back on Thursday. What do you guys Sorry think? Sorry to interrupt, Frank, but um, where do we have Elijah Mitchell? Like, do we think he's going to be something relevant next year or like, do we think the Niners just move on? Like, what do we, what do you two think? It's so hard. It is so hard with Elijah Mitchell because obviously six round, you know, draft capital, it could be like, Again, I feel like Elijah Mitchell's a much better player than this person. It could, it's going to sound very gross. But Miles Gaskin, he was a sixth or seventh round pick, you know, like last year. I believe he was a rookie last year, the year before that. You know, has a very good season, you know, shows up, you know, works good player in the passing game, good runner of the ball, has a really nice season. And then the very next year, they just end up signing, you know, four different running backs. Then I wouldn't be surprised if you saw you know, a bunch of Trey Sermon next year just for no reason because Kyle Shanahan likes to do that. Um, he's shown, you know, supreme faith in the likes of Jeff Wilson, Jermichael Hasty. They all just seem to stick around on the roster. Um, they all seem to miss time. It's just hard to trust. But I think he is the best running back there, if that answers your question. Uh, I feel like that's made things murkier. Yeah. Again, sorry to jump in, but uh, Raheem Mostert back next year too. Like that, that Niners situation is just not something that I would want to be buying in, in dynasty. Um, yeah. I, in redraft, I don't mind taking a shot on one or two just to see if you get the, you know, the upside that whoever the one is brings to your team. But um, yeah, in dynasty, it's just so hard and it changes year on year. Not something that I'd want to be, you know, investing a lot of stock into. He's 29. He's dust surely. Like there's no way he's, 
he's uh, relevant next year. Yeah, I don't know what the contract situation is, but if there's not much dead money, I would imagine he's off the roster. I think they've got too many young backs to keep Raheem Mostert. As good as Raheem Mostert looks good when he's on the field, but just can't stay on the field. Um, but, yeah, it's yeah, going to be Berger really interesting to see how it pans uh, out. He's the reason. Berger reckons he's the reason that he's... Uh, he would have won the title if he was around. He just keeps bringing it's a terrible him take. That's a terrible, terrible take. It's Raheem Most, it's not the difference between a championship and bust. Um, the next set of news that we've got is uh, basically more COVID news coming out of Kansas City. Chiefs uh, wide receiver Tyreek Hill, they've had a corner, one of their tight ends as well, now uh, been placed on the COVID list. Um, hopefully they come back. Uh, you know, you don't want, you know, the likes of Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, you know, two of the biggest names in fantasy football missing time because of COVID, uh, especially when our finals are rolling around. It just sort of, you play all season for these games and then you miss, you know, your two best players in some cases for a lot of people. Um, we've also got another really interesting injury that's happened. Um, apparently it's likely that, uh, Buccaneers running back Leonard Fournette is placed on injury reserve. That'll uh, end his regular season. I think uh, he'll be back for the playoffs. You know, playoff Lenny, he'll probably go off and carry them to a, uh, another Super Bowl. But, yeah, as far as uh, it seems, it seems like his fantasy season's over, which is going to hurt a lot of teams that he's carried. He's been a real surprise package this season. Uh, what do you guys think? Do you think Ronald Jones can fill in and give you as much as what Leonard Fournette has? I don't think he's going to give you as much, but it'll be interesting. What do we guys th- you guys think? Yeah, I'll go. Um, playoff Rojo. I've always been a Rojo guy. Um, you know, he's not obviously going to produce the Leonard Fournette numbers because uh, Fournette for Dylan Lawrence has been insane. Like oh, I'm so sick of Fournette and the whole Bucks uh, offense, to be honest. But um, I think Rojo can give you, I don't know, RB2 numbers uh, down the stretch. So I do like Ronald Jones. Yeah, I think yeah, give you that high end, so high end running back two numbers. I think it's a good spot to have him. You were saying, Joel? Sorry. As well, no, you're right. Not, I, but I'm not a big Leonard Fournette guy either. But um, I think Ronald Jones, just the running the football, can provide what Lenny can. But just the pass catching role is not going to be there for Ronald Jones. Cannot catch the ball. Tom Brady does not trust him. And due to that, just not going to provide the upside. Lenny does. But, um, yeah, I'd plug Rojo in and, yeah, hope for a touchdown. Likely candidate to score on any given week. Yeah, definitely. I think we see uh, Giovanni Bernard get a little bit more uh, work in the passing game. Was it Le'Veon Bell as well uh, onto their practice squad? Did I hear that right? Yeah, dust. he's there. Absolute dust. Yeah, he's dust. But it's again, it, I think it just proves your point though. They don't trust Ronald Jones in the passing game. I think that that's all that move is. Um, but I don't surely not. Surely he we don't see um, Le'Veon Bell resurgence on the Bucks. Frank, did you Frank or Joel, did you watch Keyshawn Vaughn uh Sunday night versus the Saints? Did Keyshawn Vaughn get a run? What a name that is. He was a he was a high draft pick in rookie drafts only two two or three years ago. <laughs> Yeah, and didn't look good at all. Um, yeah, struggled out there against the Saints. Oh, it just doesn't so, look like an so NFL runner. So bad. <laughs> Goodness me. All righty, what we're going to do now, we'll wrap up with our news there. Uh, thanks for going through all of that with us, guys. Um, what we'll do now is we'll move on to our next segment. This is a, We've basically changed this one up a little bit, guys, for those that tuned into our last episode. This is where we normally go over a rising player. 
what we're going to do this week is myself, I've brought a rising player. And then this week, Andrew has actually brought someone that he's falling on, someone that he doesn't think is either living up to the hype, someone he doesn't think is, is as good anymore. Um, we're interesting to see who he brings to the table. What we might do is we might actually start with that falling player, Andrew. If you want to go right ahead, the floor is yours. Well, these cookies fucking rock. These cookies is good. Good? These Subway cookies is fucking good. Whatever. Give me two more. Give me two more. They good. Give me two more. They rock. Give me two more. Yeah, all right. Um, so I've got um, these two players could have, you know, carried you to uh, the playoffs right now. Um, both great running backs, um, RB5 and RB7 on the year, respectively. Um, James Connor, Ezekiel Elliott. Um, I'm saying right now, while the uh, chips are hot, get out. Uh, value you can get out of them is way more than what their future, I believe, holds. So James Conner has had 16 touchdowns this year. Unsustainable stuff. As a guy who has Kyler Murray in um, our redraft league, gee, he's been annoying to own. But it's just James. It's the James Conner show. Like he, he just he can't keep doing this. That meme off Breaking Bad. Like he can't keep getting away with this. James Conner. Um, you know he's had injury history. Um, he might not even be in Arizona next year. Chase Edmonds coming back. I just think now is the time to get. You know, ride him out to a title off season. Just get what you can. Or you'll get a haul from him, probably. And Zeke's the same. Like, sell high on that name value. Tony Pollard is there. I am a Tony Pollard greatest sign Zeke Elliott guy. I know Joel is too. Um, yeah, James Conner, Zeke, I would get out personally. Zeke looks hurt. He looks slow. Um, yeah, I just think these two now is the time in the off season. You know, ride him out in the playoffs, obviously, because they'll give you numbers, but... Yeah, I just think get off while you can. Don't be caught holding the bag. And, yeah, Zeke and James Connor sell. Yeah, it's a bit of that situation where you want to be a year too early on these running backs rather than a year too late. They you lose their value very quickly. Um, again, I am the Ezekiel Elliott owner. I'm not as low on Zeke as you guys are. Has looked a touch slow from time to time. I think that is the knee injury. But from what I've seen, he's getting a little bit better over the weeks. Uh, last, you know, since probably four weeks ago, I think that uh, knee was giving him a lot of trouble. Um, but he seems to be getting healthier now. I think um, the usage is still fine. In a good offense like that, I think that him and Tony Pollard can both operate as, you know, your, your low-end running back ones. Tony Pollard may be a, sort of a mid to high-end running back two if everything is clicking. I think um, between injuries and stuff like that, it's going to be one's going to be far better than the other for a lot of the time. What do you think, Joel? You're right, you're right uh, in involved in this backfield as the Tony Pollard owner. You would love nothing more than to see Ezekiel Elliott go down, turn to dust, and Tony Pollard be the guy. Oh, Tony Pollard, it's just a matter of, it's just a matter of time. Um, I was just going to ask, when do you think Tony takes over? I don't think he does take over. I think the contract that Ezekiel Elliott signed, uh, I've heard you say on many, many occasions, the worst contract in football history. I think that's a bit extreme. Uh, we did see Tom Gurley get all that money not that long ago. Anyway, um, but I think he, he'll be there next year. I think he'll be in a very similar role. I don't think we'll see much change the next year, obviously the year after that. But I believe Tony Pollard is a free agent at the end of next year. It's just very murky. I don't think there's going to be a clean sort of changeover that you're looking for, Joel. But again, you never know. I mean, time will tell. Uh, 
just watching the games, Tony Pollard, just every time he touches the football, it just seems like seven yard, eight yard, just every single time. I just don't, I don't remember watching him just gain nothing on a carry. Just looks so good, man. So good. Yeah. I just can't wait for it. Why does he just look slow, lethargic? Run into oh. the offensive lineman. It's just, it's just terrible. Team Tony all the way. All the way. Just patience. That's all we got to do. All right. Well, I think I think it's pretty clear that our team Amor is 100% team Tony Pollard. But uh, I think both can operate in this offense. I feel like it's we're going to see a lot of the same thing going into next year as well. But, again, I'm actually all for if I was giving advice to other dynasty teams out there. <clears throat> If you can capitalize on the name value of Ezekiel Elliott, you can get, you know, your first, a first two, probably two first round picks for Ezekiel Elliott going into next season. You get a bit of a rush at the beginning of the year. Everyone wants, wants to set their lineups. Everyone wants to have that rock solid RB1 in their lineup to start the season. Uh, if you can get two first round picks for Ezekiel Elliott this off season, I'd hundred percent pull the trigger. Um, again, I'm in a league with these two guys, so I doubt I'll get that kind of value. I'm happy to just uh, take the production as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, you, you won't be getting two firsts out of me for Zeke. Sorry. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, not. I, I, as someone who owns uh, most of the first round picks in our league for the next two years, uh, yeah, good luck getting two firsts. Yeah, no, that's, that's fair. I, that's what I mean. I wouldn't be the person making that move on the other end, so I can't really uh, say otherwise. Um, as far as James Connor's concerned, yeah, I 100% agree with the take, Andrew. I think he's going to might disappoint some fantasy uh, players just if you're playing in a redraft league or even a dynasty league heading into uh, the fantasy playoffs. You know, we're in the thick of it now. Um, he could disappoint. I think with uh, Chase Edmonds back, he's nursing that injury. He could be a bit of a disappointment and really hurt you at a time that you need him the most. He's sort of carried you to this point. Um, you got him late in drafts, didn't probably cost you much to trade for. I know he got traded for in our league for not very much at all. Um, but he's, he could really hurt and um, end up breaking a lot of hearts. And especially going to this offseason, you know, that contract is up. We don't know where he's going to be next year. Obviously, you know, he's got to look after himself and get, you know, whatever money he can. Um, if I were him, I'd stay in Arizona. I think, you know, that's probably the best spot for his career. But we obviously know money talks in the NFL. You know, obviously, you got to look after himself. So be interesting to see where he lands. What do you guys think? Any landing spots for James Conner you think are interesting outside of Arizona? Because I think that's the main one as far as uh, if, I, if I were him personally. I mean, you've got like Seattle, Buffalo, Atlanta, Miami, like all those ideal running running back spots. But I just, I just don't know if, you know, teams are going to go out and get James Conner. Had a great year though. Have you seen all like the one-handed catches he's taking? Like it's been ridiculous the receptions and what he's done. But like he wasn't that good when Jay like Chase Edmonds was there at the start. And then Chase goes down and he just he goes nuclear. But um yeah, I just I don't know. I think Arizona is the spot for James Connor, but um yeah, I just don't think he's gonna be that fantasy relevant going forward. So I don't really care where he lands, to be honest. Yeah, that's definitely a fair take. I think I agree with that. Um, any thoughts, Joel, on James Connor? Yeah, well, I know James Connor shares anywhere, and it just seems like he's scoring a touchdown every multiple touchdowns on each week. Um, I, if I had any James Connor shares, I agree, I'd be selling. Um, I, I think Buffalo is just the best possible landing spot for any running back um, rookie in next year 
or veteran in the off season. Um, yeah, Buffalo or stay in Arizona answers the question of where I had James Connors, where the ideal landing spot would be. Yeah, no, well, obviously we have to wait and see in the off season. I, I thought, yeah, I, you know, not to, you know, toot my own horn, but I had James Connor ahead of Chase Edmonds heading into the year. So that's uh, one I got right. That's one I'm going to, you know, tick on my resume personally. I thought he was going to be heavily involved and he obviously has. And then, you know, when Chase Edmonds went down, he got involved in the passing, the passing game, took those one-handed catches, like Andrew was saying. It's actually just a decent player. I think he's, you know, not your top elite tier talent, but he's he's good enough. He can get the job done in a prolific offense. He's going to score touchdowns. So really good season by uh, James Connor. What we actually yeah, the old to... the old frankings uh, coming in coming in clutch on the James Conner takes. Yeah, that's a good honestly. Yeah, my frankings they haven't been the uh, best. There's not I have to go through them and see some absolutely terrible ones. But I think there's a few good ones sprinkled in there, so I'll take it. I'll have to have a good look through those. Um, yeah, listeners, gotta gotta buy the frankings like uh, accurate as ever, aren't they, Frank? I reckon they're not too bad. I'll have to, that's like I'm saying, I'll go through and I'll have a look. I'll make a post and uh, we'll see where look, they actually turned out. 2021, strong year for the Frankings. Exactly right. Every year is a strong year for the Frankings, Joel. Don't you forget it. All righty. What we will do is we're actually going to head on to my rising player. So someone that I didn't think um, was going to make as massive an impact as they did, uh, someone I sort of compared to, um, Henry Ruggs, um, again, we don't we don't talk about Henry Ruggs anymore. He's not in the NFL, uh, not a very good bloke. Um, but someone I sort of compared to him, I thought, you know, he didn't uh, wasn't going to make a ma- – I thought he wasn't going to make a massive fantasy impact. I thought that he would be a very good NFL wide receiver. I think he'd be very good for the offense, uh, but not someone that would put up mammoth fantasy points, especially as a rookie. But uh, Miami Dolphins wide receiver, Jalen Waddle, he's really, really shown that he is going to be – a a difference maker at the wide res- wide receiver position, not just in the NFL, but also in fantasy football. The, n- the numbers don't fly off the screen, but I think you have to contextualize um, what he's done this season as a rookie. So currently he's the number 17 receiver in the NFL per PFF. So he's been graded out as, you know, essentially an elite wide receiver, just as a rookie, just the way he runs routes, gets open, what he's done after the catch and all that sort of stuff. He's ranked eighth in the league in receptions. He's 12th in targets. So he's getting just bulk targets, whether it be Tua Tagovailoa, whether it be Jacoby Brissett or whoever it is under center for the Miami Dolphins. He's just a target hog, which is fantastic. It's what you want to see from a rookie wide receiver if you're trying to project out fantasy points. Um, He's currently the wide receiver 24. But like I said, I want to contextualize these points. So he's missed a game himself with COVID. I mean, you know, missing one game, a lot of players miss a game. Let's not sort of get too ahead of ourselves there. But I think it's important to realize that Tua, his quarterback, has missed five games. And I know I've, you know, a lot of us in this uh, podcast here love to absolutely just trash Tua. But he's actually shown a lot in the last few weeks. He's been like really solid, really accurate. So I think it's important to realize that he's missed five games. So he's been without his quarterback. And he's had Jacoby Brissett throwing in the ball, which is a massive downgrade. Um, and he's also the wide receiver 20 in points per game. So he's given you, you know, your wide receiver two numbers as a rookie, which is really, really good with all of those things working against him. 
Another thing that's worked against him is uncharacteristically, we saw him in college. He ran a lot of deep routes. He got open. He, you know, he's incredibly fast. He ran like a really, really fast 40 time in the combine. You think, oh, he's a field stretcher. He runs good routes. He's going to get open. He's just going to be a nightmare for defenses. And he has been a nightmare for defenses, but he's done it with an A dot of 7.3 yards. So his average depth of target is really, really close to the line of scrimmage. Kind of like what we saw with Jarvis Landry early in his career in Miami. It's what they're doing with Jalen Model. I mean, different coaching staff and things like that, probably more of just a coincidence. But it was just really strange. I thought they were going to deploy him more over the middle, you know, running really deep routes, stuff like that, getting separation, which I still think he can. So what I'm saying is I don't think they've fully unlocked Jalen Model. I think that he's got immense upside. I think he's already producing as a rookie. Um, it's just been interesting to see what he can do as his career progresses, as tour progresses as well. I think he will be the quarterback of the future for Miami. So if they can get a chemistry, I think the sky's the limit for Jalen Waddle. What do you guys think? Yeah, I'll jump in. Um, look, Jalen Waddle's been a target hog. Um, 86 receptions is insane. Like, he was on track for 100 receptions as a rookie. But, um, yeah, he's, he's dynamic. He is the alpha in Miami, which I feel like that can change. Maybe not. Maybe they build around him. But, yeah, he's just got big playability and everything. Um, I'm just not sure I'm in on Jalen Waddle. Like, I personally would have Devontae Smith over him. Shout out, Eagles. Um, I would have Elijah Moore from the Jets over him. I would have T. Higgins over Jalen Waddle going forward. Um, but, yeah, obviously he's a yak monster. Lives in the slot, 45% um, in the slot. So I just, yeah, I don't know. I'm not as high on Jalen Waddle as you or Matt Barber because of Tua Tangavailoa. Really, that's interesting because, yeah, I would have uh, Jalen Waddle. I've, I as hate as much as I hate to say it, and I'm, you know, the Jalen Hurts truther. I think he, you know, he stops Devonta Smith from being as good as he can be. I would have, yeah, I'd have Jalen Waddle ahead of, um, yeah, ahead of Devonta Smith. I'd have Jalen Waddle ahead of T. Higgins. I think, um, who was the other name you mentioned? Elijah Moore. Yeah, I'd have him ahead of Elijah Moore. I think that's, yeah, I mean, Andrew, come on, man. Elijah Moore, really? That's right. Now that's your take. But uh, I'd have, yeah, I'd have Jalen Waddle ahead of Elijah Moore as well. I think, you know, I think he's just that good. I feel like, um, I feel like we're underrating the talent. He was the first wide receiver off the board behind, I mean, behind Jamar Chase, but. You know, we all know what he is and the general generational talent that he's uh, shown already. What do you think, Joel? What do you bet? Uh, if you were to rank those four that we've just reeled off, where would you have them? Because that's really thrown me off, Andrew. Yeah, I, I, I think I have. I would have T Higgins one. Then I would have Jalen Waddle. Then Elijah Moore, Devonte Smith. But if the Eagles do make a change, um, I agree. Um, if the Eagles do make a quarterback change, I would easily rise on Devontae Smith. Looks good as a rookie, can be in the league, um, makes some great catches, gets a lot of separation. Um, in Back to like Jalen Waddle and what he's been doing on the year, Tua just can't throw the ball deep. So Miami have utilised Waddle in a way to make him fit in the offense, like running shorter out the yak, um, you know, looks good. Jalen Waddle um, going forward though, just with Tua, unless he can make a significant jump going forward. I just think, I don't know if there's that much improvement in Jalen Waddle's fantasy production. 
But as real-life wide receiver, yeah, Jalen Waddle, really, really good young prospect in the NFL, like has looked good this year. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I think, you know, I feel like I'm clearly the highest in the room. I feel clearly you guys are very high on Elijah Moore as well, which is interesting. I think with uh, Zach Wilson behind center, maybe it's a little bit scary, but maybe we've got some Zach Wilson truthers in here. Yeah. I don't want to write off Zach Wilson after what, like eight games in the NFL. Like he might be Sam Darnold again. He might not be. I'm just not going to write him off after eight games. Jets have had a lot of injuries on that offensive line. Um, you know, they've got, a lot of first-round picks. This, I think they've got multiple first-round picks in this next draft. They can fix out a lot of things on that defense. And, yeah, I'm just not going to write Zach Wilson off. And um, Matt Harmon, reception, perception. Um, yeah, um, Moore looked really good on it. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to believe in Zach Wilson and the talent that Moore has. Yeah, yeah Frank, that's, that's Elijah Moore has looked incredible in, like, games where – what was his name? Matt White. Is that the dude's name? Yeah, Magic when, Mike White. Mike White, that's Mike it. White. Yeah. He looked incredible when, when they had a half decent quarterback. I am just I'm all in on Elijah Moore. Who's got even, him in now? Even Joe Honestly. Joe Flacco. He looked good with Joe Flacco too. Like he just looks good. Yeah, I believe it's Charlene has Elijah Moore. And you know he's addicted to the trade, so he's definitely available. Yeah, I might I might go uh send a few feelers out there, listeners. Elijah Moore, okay. by now. Andrew's planting his flag on Elijah Moore. I'd love to hear it. <laughs> I feel like you've missed the boat with Elijah Moore. Like, I feel like, you know, before that little outburst in the middle of the season, you could have got him real cheap. But, um, yeah, I feel like you're going to be paying up. I'll, I feel like you should be paying up for Elijah Moore, but who can get him on the cheap? Yeah, for all means, go get Elijah Moore. Nah, buy high. Um, he's that good. Trust. <laughs> Yeah, I think um, when he had that blow up, I think he had three or four touchdowns, you know, three games in a row. He had like a touchdown in each game. It's just like, oh, well, he's arrived as a rookie as well. You want to see that rookie production. So I think that just immediately just skyrockets value. Um, I know in my other dynasty league, I actually traded away Elijah Moore. And it's going to be hard to say, but I traded him away for Kadarius Tony. And I, I gave up a second round pick as well as Elijah Moore. So it's just a yeah, just at the wrong time. It was before his blow up games. Um, Kadarius Tony had looked good prior to, and yeah, it uh, hasn't looked good for me so far. But hopefully, Kadarius Tony can show show a little bit more. Tony's good, Frank, but you got way too excited about his one good game this year. Like great game, but you, you just you just got way too excited. Yeah, yeah, and they had no one else in that week too. Like it's just it was it was a, it was an obvious blow up spot. Uh, not not a blow up spot, but an obvious spot for him to have production. He, in he, production he had, but yeah, I think you've just bought into that a little bit too much with the Giants and who they had out and what he did against Dallas. I, I, just yeah, it was a perfect Agreed. storm. You've, yeah, you've just you probably got you know probably a little bit unlucky there, but yeah, you definitely have uh, well, at this point definitely lost that trade. Yeah, got sucked in a little bit, but that's fine. He'll uh, prove. I think talent will win out, so we'll uh, wait and see how that goes. All right, what I do want to get into next is our next segment. It's someone uh, we want to be looking at in the offseason, and we want to sort of figure out with this player whether he's someone you actually want to trade for or someone you want to trade out of, someone you want to just absolutely wash your hands off, you don't want to borrow them anymore, and that uh, you think that it's time to send them packing from your team. Barbie! No, this isn't even a real Barbie. 
Barbie, you've got a real Barbie at home that Santa gave you a few weeks Santa ago. Santa gave me a fat Barbie. I'm going to skin him back. She's not fat. She's body positive. Yeah, hey, if you put the doll Stop back, it. I'll get you a giant ice cream sundae. So you're rewarding you this behavior? What you that player for us this week is going to be Christian McCaffrey. Uh, absolutely uh fantasy stud when he plays uh one you know you know very recently absolutely fantasy darling for everyone that owned him for the last you know three years he's just been the picture of consistency he's been uh the best player in fantasy for you know three years when he's played but just absolutely injury riddled as of late the last two seasons i think he's you know he's played a handful of games when he's played, he's been fantastic, but he's missed so much time. It's hard to know what to do with Christian McCaffrey if you own him in a dynasty league. Um, it's, yeah, it makes some really tough decisions. I think your the way your team is built currently, if you're a competing team, is probably someone you want to hold on to. If you're a losing team, it's someone uh, you might think about getting some draft capital for. Uh, I'm interested to hear what uh, you think, Joel, about Christian McCaffrey. I know you're a Carolina Panthers fan. Uh, love Christian McCaffrey. You think he's uh, the best running back in the NFL, last I heard. <laughs> Um, it'd be interesting to hear what you think. Yeah, obviously, when healthy, um, just does everything for that a running back can. Hunt, catches 100 balls, um, can get 100 yards on the ground, gets all the goal line work. Obviously, health is the concern. But when he plays, he is a walking 20, 20 to 25 points a week. Sometimes he doesn't even need a touchdown to get that. Um, it's more than like, 20 to 25. That's how good he is. It's 25 plus. Yeah, it's like, oh, it's basically yeah, 30 fantasy you know, points. It's just yeah, crazy. If you're, if you're in a full PPR league, yeah, 30. If you play DraftKings, get the 100 yard bonus. Like, oh, he's unreal. But, um, like, in our league, anyway, I know Wheels has Christian McCaffrey and his roster is just so thin everywhere else. Even if he gets a full Christian McCaffrey, you know, a 2019 year of Christian McCaffrey where he is the running back one overall. You, you've got to realise where your team is if you have Christian McCaffrey and where your team could be if you get a good Christian McCaffrey year and how your team, if you go out and acquire Christian McCaffrey, Christian, can your team cope if, you know, he misses time? Um, but, yeah, if, if I was a contender and, you know, top two, top three team in the league, I would be absolutely going out to get Christian McCaffrey free for the upcoming season. Carolina going to have to make a quarterback change. Um, not sure exactly where they'll go, whether they go draft or whether they, you know, explore options in free agency. Not sure if they'll be able to acquire like an Aaron Rodgers or Deshaun Watson, or I don't know where they'll look to go, but um, yeah, I, if I was a team in that circumstance where I could go out and get Chris McCaffrey and compete for a title next year, I'm, you know, until he shows on the field that he's not the running back one overall, I'm still going to believe he's the running back one overall despite of injuries. Yeah, like what's what's Wheels doing with Christian McCaffrey on his team? Like I'll jump in and bash Wheels because every time, you know, I get the opportunity, I'm going to. Um, listeners, I went, I went eight against Wheels, my first eight games uh, versing Zach Wilhand. He was a fantasy juggernaut, as we've said on episode one. And um, this year, I'm 3-0. And where is he, guys? He's not in group chats. He's disappeared. So, Wheels. um, The offers I gave Wheels for Christian McCaffrey, Frank, like, it was like Saquon and two first. Like, it was insane. You're not the only only one, mate. You're not the only one. And it was before he got injured, too. So, it would have decimated our teams had the trades gone through. 
Um, sounds like Saquon and two first probably more than I offered. I know I offered three first round picks, and I think probably another yeah. young piece. But no, oh, insane madness. I don't get what Wheels is doing with say, um, not Saquon Christian McCaffrey on his roster, but yeah, I would personally still buy low because. What you had to give up for Christian McCaffrey, like they're, you couldn't even have a conversation to try to get Christian McCaffrey at the start of the year. So if you can, you know, offer, I don't know, two first, would you give up for Christian McCaffrey? Is that still too much? I was just about to ask, what's the price? So for me, two first is probably not enough to get the deal done. I think the value's there, but I think for when you're getting the elite player, if you're getting the best player in a deal, in most cases, you have to overpay, especially if you're playing in a really competitive league where people know what they're doing, you're going to have to overpay for elite talent. Um, you're probably looking at, you know, two first round picks and maybe a second or, you know, a young piece or something like that should get the deal done. I think if the team's desperate enough, that's if they're struggling and they need to rebuild, I think it's Chris McCaffrey, you need to get him off your roster. Um, but if you're competing, 100%, go ahead and get him. I can't recommend it enough. I think he could be one of the most undervalued uh, pieces in fantasy football going forward into next year. If he delivers on what he, we know he can and what he has done consistently when he's been on the field, he's an absolute difference maker and he'll single-handedly win your championships, uh, listeners. Yeah. And the upside of trading away first to get Christian McCaffrey, if you get the full Christian McCaffrey, those firsts are going to be low-end first-round picks too, like – so much upside to win a deal there. If you can trade your first away, get Christian McCaffrey, get the running back one overall next season. Um, yeah. Well, I hope obviously this all depends on if he can stay healthy and play, you know, majority of the games don't expect a running back to play every game, but if he can, you know, only miss a handful of games, even if he only misses two or three games, um, like league winner. Um, and if you can yeah, get him on the cheap, um, compared to what he has been. But, I mean, why not take that shot? I'm talking like very long in the future here, but, you know, redraft next year, 2022. Who are you taking at the 101? Is it Cooper Cup? Is it JT? Is it CMC? Like, what direction are you two leaning? Personally, it's Jonathan Taylor. Um, I think, I mean, it could be Derek Henry because they're saying he could be back. So it's like, it's really hard, but I suppose he's that one year old, a little bit scarier, but I think um, Jonathan Taylor's proved, I think he's personally, I think he's the MVP of the, NF, of the league this year. But um, I think for me, Jonathan Taylor, uh, close second would be Derek Henry. And I think third, you still have to have Christian McCaffrey. I think he's ahead of Dalvin Cook. Um, he's respectful think- to Cooper Cup right now. He's yeah, Cooper, he's done. I mean, that if, as long as that breakfast club ain't going anywhere, hard to, like, fade Cooper Cup. I mean, he's probably going to be overdrafted in drafts next year, but, geez, just, he's, he's amazing. He's just yeah. walking 10 to 12 catches on a week. If full PPR league, like, Cooper Cup is invaluable. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree with what you're saying, and I think it can be a little bit disrespectful to Cooper Cup, but I think if you're playing in a competitive league, those running backs just dry up so quickly. It just, you know, if you if you haven't taken a running back in the first two rounds, you're just immediately on the back foot. It kind of just derails your whole draft. From what I've found, you know, if you can make it work and you find those, you know, mid to you know, mid round running backs and you find the ones that are good, then you're laughing. You know, you've got that top end talent of wide receiver, but it's just very, very hard. It's just very risky game to play. So do no you guys zero agree with that? RB, no zero RB for you next year then, Frank. No, nah, you know I don't do zero RB. You know I like to load up on running backs and then, you know, hit those later round wide receivers. Yeah, listeners, Frank in drafts will take like five running backs off the rip, like just straight away. And it's just, it, it works for you. I didn't Unapolo- work it. Unapologetically. It 
I took well, yeah. this year I took Travis Kelsey and I also took uh Kyler Murray. No, I didn't have Kyler Murray, I took Lamar Jackson. I I do like to get if I get those running backs, you know, if I get those running backs to hold, you know, to anchor my team, you get a good quarterback, you get a good tight end, you know, you just become hard to beat week to week. I understand your draft may not be perfect. You might be missing out on some top top end talent or wide receiver. But you just become very hard to beat on a week-to-week basis if you've got a top three tight end as well. Just another little strategy that I like to do as well. Yeah, they call you Frank Robust RB, basically. That's, that's just your strategy. <laughs> Sorry to like bounce back to the um, original question, though, but I think JT has to be the uh, first player taken off the board. Um, but then, yeah, with Chris McCaffrey, anywhere between like you know the 1-0, 103 and 105, 106, I feel is, you know, fair enough and probably where he should be going off the board in drafts, worth the risk to take him. Yeah, 100%. I feel like he'll he'll probably climb up draft boards and end up going at the 102 anyway. I feel like that's the, what's going to happen. I think people will be quick to forget the injury, hopefully. What we will move on to now, though, is uh, we're actually going to get stuck into a bit of a recap of our main league. This is the one that, uh, you know, the big money stakes are uh, basically on the line here. We're heading into our playoffs. Um, we've got our first playoff matchups. Um, all uh, everyone at the, the, the league standings are set. Um, we've got our matchups. So what we might do is we'll go through um, who's playing who in the first week of finals. So we'll start off. Myself, I finished top of the table in first place with a 12-3 and three record. Very happy about it. Um, but now I have to play fourth-placed uh, Dylan Lawrence. His team's very strong. He's uh, put together some uh, really big weeks um, in the last probably, I reckon, maybe four weeks. He's just been very, very hot. Um, I will admit, he's got more points for on the season than me. Um, I know I finished top, but... I think I have the least amount of points for in the top four that have finished. So it'll be interesting to see how the lineup goes. Um, he's very high powered. He's got the likes, you know, Aaron Jones, Alvin Kamara, Justin Herbert, Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson, even uh, guys like, you know, Hunter Renfro have just been putting together really, really big weeks. So scary lineup to go up against. Um, I think, yeah, it's a really open uh, race. I think each team has a chance to win. It'll be interesting to see how our matchup uh, turns out. Andrew, I know you also you finished uh, in second place on the league table with ten uh, with a ten and five record. Who are you playing this week? Yeah, I've got uh, Jack Burgess. Um, you know, Burgess, the guy that traded Derrick Henry and Dalvin Cook. So I'd be a lot more scared of him if uh, he had Dalvin Cook right now. Um, obviously not going to, you know, say I should win, but four-game win streak listeners somehow found a way. So Monday night, two weeks ago, I was versing Shalim, really needed a win. He had uh, Devin Singletary, Cole Beasley needing like five points, and uh, they didn't score five points. So really um, four-game win streak, feeling good. I think I'm the team to beat, Frank. don't know how you feel, but, um, yeah, I'm feeling good. Um, listeners, Joel is the tanking team. So, Joel, you want to talk through your strategy this year? Yeah, I don't have a horse in this race for the uh, final four. Um, not, not very even. I agree with Frank. I'm not sure who which team I'd want to be. Um, 
but yeah, uh, we obviously had our startup this year. Um, noticed that a lot of teams were, uh, you know, going for win now strategy. Got to about the, uh, I, I, I traded back initially, had the 102, traded that to Wheels. He ended up taking Christian McCaffrey, um, ended up getting Wheels' first in 2022 and Wheels' is third round pick in the startup and fifth round pick in the startup. Um, yeah, built my team around younger players. Um, you know, AJ Brown, DK Metcalf, Najee Harris, um, Antonio Gibson, JK Dobbins, RIP. Um, but yeah, um, obviously finished last, um, have three first round picks this year, four first round picks next year, six second round picks this year. Um, yeah, looking to build that dynasty that people that people are dreaming of. So um, yeah, we'll see how that goes this year. But um, yeah, looking forward to the to the uh, the draft rookie class this year, next year, twenty twenty three. We're all hearing that's a strong class. So um, yeah, looking forward to that. But in re- in regards to this year's finals, um, yeah, very even competition. Um, don't know who I'd want to be, uh, but yeah, good good luck to all the teams that are there. Don't don't have anything against any of you. Now I know you said that you, know, you don't know which team you'd want to be, but uh, on the podcast, on the record, you know, gun to your head, who's winning the championship? Dylan Lawrence. That what? could be Dylan the worst Lawrence. answer you possibly could have given. It's exactly what uh, me and Andrew don't want to hear. So. Thanks a lot for that. He's just a winner. He just finds a way to win. Informed team gets that. I, I, I think think the, the person who – you guys are all injury. You guys have a lot of injuries. And Dylan Lawrence, healthiest team, informed team. Justin Jefferson looks amazing. Justin Herbert's playoff schedule is juicy. Hunter Renfro would have to be like top five wide receiver the last month. Um, yeah, just loving Dylan's team that he's built. Um, yeah, no, I just think he can do it. I think he finds a way to win. Yeah, to give context to Joel saying that uh, we're, you know, injury-riddled teams, I'm absolutely sweating on the return of DeAndre Swift. Uh, plays Atlanta this week. If he can get back, I think that's going to go a long way towards me having a chance of taking out this matchup. Need him back. Joe Mixon, he's, quest- he's going to be questionable leading into this week. Like I said earlier in the show, I think he'll play praying to God that he absolutely does. I'm going to need him. Um, I'm in such a terrible position right now. Uh, I've held, you know, some extra first-round picks going into this offseason. You know, I have two first-round picks in the 2022 draft, plenty of extra draft capital in the 2023 draft as well. Um, I'm in a position where I'm actually hoping for Alan Robinson to be back from COVID. Like, that's how treacherous my lineup is right now. Donovan Peoples-Jones, he's a locked and loaded starter in my lineup. That's how desperate things are. Laquan Treadwell, currently in my lineup. Ramondre Stevenson, currently in my lineup. It's just really hard. I'm going to be missing the likes of Rondell Moore's probably going to miss time. I mean, he's been very disappointing, but at least he's got a little bit of upside. Yeah, Corey Davis down. He's on IR. Chris Goblin, he's on IR. Season over. Uh, Kadaris Tony has just hasn't been able to get any consistent time. And yeah, I've also got, you know, Mike Thomas and Cam Akers, but I was aware that I wasn't going to have those guys for the year. Um, but yeah, that's what you get. You play a risky game. I, you know, I didn't trade that draft capital for depth and that's probably come back to buy me and it could cost me a fantasy championship. So could be a really hard lesson learned, but regardless, I do have Jonathan Taylor got that upside. He could just win me the week by himself. So I'm looking forward to it. 
How about you, Andrew? How's your team looking this week? You feeling confident? Yeah, comparably, I was with the boys later later today. Um, and, you know, mood at training is fantastic. Like, we just know Debo is going to set the tone uh, Thursday night. And, you know, we're just going to write, we're just going to feed off that energy. But we're, we're confident. Um, Burjo is a renowned loser. Like, he went, what did he go? Like, 1 and 13 in our redraft league. Like, yeah, no chance. I'll see you in the big dance if you make it, Frank. Um, booking me, uh, booking my tickets now. Yeah, won't the vibes on the podcast be immaculate if we're the uh, the two grand finalists? That'd be fantastic. Um, it'd be a real sort of, I don't know, a kicker for like, you know, the two guys that are doing the podcast. We're the ones that make the final just because we're just studying way harder. We just want it more than the rest of them. Um, yeah, you are dealing with Tyreek Hill in that COVID situation. Could uh, be a massive out for you. Um, this week you do have a bit more depth than I do so you actually have you know a few lineup choices but you're obviously missing DeAndre Hopkins um, yeah again with injuries you actually probably don't have that many lineup choices I feel like you're forced into playing the likes of Melbourne Gordon um, Tyreek Hill obviously could be the out Brandon Cooks slides into your lineup after a big week but he's been up and down so there is a little bit of risk in your lineup but I feel like you're a little bit more well-rounded than I am at this stage it of the season Gets Tyler Lockett probably back from COVID too. Um, yeah, deep, deep roster at this stage of the game. Uh, Mike Evans, obviously another injury, you know, the hamstring week to week, might might miss a week. Tyreek Hill. Um, yeah, but you probably do have the depth to cover against Burjo's team who does have some injuries. You know, we've got Chase Edmonds coming back, Elijah Mitchell, Darnell Anderson's probably lost his role. Um yeah, but it should be good matchups on both. Yeah, it's going to be very close. It's going to be uh, interesting to see who comes out ahead. Um, I'm so excited to have these guys back uh, home and they'll be at my place watching these games. It's going to be awesome to, uh, to see. Hopefully me and Andrew come out victorious and then uh, we can be very excited together. It'll be good to uh, happen. All right, what we'll do is we'll wrap up talking about our fantasy league and we'll actually head on to our 2022 rookie draft uh, analysis for these for this week. Uh, just like last week, me and Andrew have brought together a player each and uh, we're going to go through a bit of analysis to see why we like these players and where we think uh, we should take them in drafts and where they sort of compare to the rest of the draft. A bunch of goddamn nerds. All right, Andrew, do you want to actually go through your first, your rookie first? Who have you got that you've been uh, hitting the books with? Who you've been crunching the film, uh, doing your analytics, having a look at this week? Always, uh, always studying. Can't get me out of that, uh, that film room, Frank. But no, seriously, um, the player I'm bringing forward, um, I'll take you down uh, memory lane, listeners. Um, went to a cross-country meet with my coach and... You know, he hates Michigan for some reason. Don't know why. And it was Michigan State versus Michigan. And I was sitting there watching this college game and the running back from Michigan State went off. Like, I think he had five touchdowns. Like, it was insane. So Kenneth Walker is the guy I'm going to bring forward. Um, you know, all the uh, draft cliches, you know, he's, he's electric, explosive, hits the hole. Um, can bounce to the edge, patient, he's got vision, he's got a knack for the end zone. He transferred from Wake Forest, um, and I'm pretty sure he had 13 touchdowns as a sophomore at Wake Forest. So, you know, he loves that end zone. Um, the only knock I have on him is that he doesn't catch passes, but, you know, we've seen college running backs, like, not catch passes, and then, you know, they go to the next level and 
it's the scheme that they get into that you know works them into that role and they you know they they find a way to just work it out and catch passes and do that i think that happened with jonathan taylor you know it's happened with you know several running backs so um he's got a round one or two projection you know um because he's 5'10", 210 pounds. Like, he's a he's a thick boy. We love big running backs. Um, so, yeah, personally, I wouldn't let him pass, fall past, you know, the probably 105. You know, you got um, the receiver you'll talk about, Frank, and you probably got, um, you know, quarterbacks. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just not I'm just not letting him fall past pick five of the rookie draft. So, Kenneth Walker, if he lands, it obviously depends on where he lands. So, if he lands in one of those places that we mentioned before, you know, Miami, um, Seattle, Buffalo, uh, Arizona, even if they get rid of James Conner, I, you know, Kenneth Walker is uh, probably top three running back in this class. You know, Brees Hall, Isaiah Spiller, Kenneth Walker, take your pick out of those three. Um, my pick is Kenneth Walker. Yeah, I think he's a fantastic back. Like you said, I think he can do it all. They haven't thrown the ball too much to him, but I don't think they've sort of needed to. The scheme is a bit different. Yeah, you mentioned Jonathan Taylor. He was another player, but they didn't throw the ball much to in college, but he clearly shown he could do it. I think Kenneth Walker is one of those talents where you know he can do it, I think. I don't think he's like that elite, elite uh, prospect, like the likes of, you know, Jonathan Taylor, Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott of that mold. But I think, you know, if we were to compare him, it's like, you know, talent-wise, you know, you had those running backs that went in the second round a couple of years ago. You had uh, Cam Akers, J.K. Dobbins, um, you know, a little bit below Jonathan Taylor personally. But kind of in that mold, I think his talent sort of lines up there. I think he'll go in the, you know, the late first or second uh, round of the NFL draft. If he gets that kind of draft capital in a good landing spot, he's going to be uh, given the opportunity to produce at the next level pretty much straight away. I know Joel will be keen to see where the landing spot is to figure out which of those backs you mentioned, whether it's Bryce Hole, Kenneth Walker, um, any of those guys, which one is going to, you know, be the most impactful straight away. What do you think, Joel? Where do you have him currently? Obviously a landing spot will make a big difference. Yeah. For context, I have three of the first four picks in this draft. Um, looking like I'll have the 101, 103, and 104. Um, and, yeah, hoping to wire two of those running backs and Traylon Burks, not sure if we were naming names, but, yeah, um, hoping to acquire three of those, two of those running backs um, and one wide receiver in that first four picks and, yeah, see how we go from there. Um, obviously, who I get. And who I take at that 101 spot will depend on landing spots, draft capital and everything. But And obviously what they do at the combine. But, um, yeah, um, no real preference at this stage um, until we see landing spots. That's obviously going to be the ultimate decider. Okay. Just to go a little bit off topic. Um, so you mentioned you wanted to go two running backs, one wide receiver with those three picks. So that actually leaves the quarterback not an option in with one of those three picks. You're going to let that quarterback slide. Yeah, I, I'm comfortable at quarterback. Um, you know, I, as much as I, you know, I, I, again, for context, took Deshaun Watson in the startup. Um, not sure if he'll be back next year, but I'm hoping he will be back the year after. Um, and yeah, I've, you know, got Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Mac Jones, Daniel Jones. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll ride out those five. Uh, maybe if we get some Taysom Hill. Uh, Mitch Trubisky might, you know, fill a role somewhere on an NFL team next year. And, yeah, I think we can we can cope at quarterback and fill up, 
you know, the depth in that skill position players. That's where my team's lacking at the moment. And that's where we'll look to go in the draft. Don't okay. think this quarterback class, I, ha- I haven't heard this quarterback class to be very strong. So we'll look didn't that listen to the first episode, Frank, did he? Mac yeah, Carell, clearly but... not. I was about to say, uh, as someone yeah. with two first round picks, if Mackerel fell to me at the 106 or the, you know, 107, whatever my picks end up being, I'd, yeah, I'll jump at the opportunity to take Matt Corral at the 106. Again, like t- team needs is obviously uh, coming into play here. Wouldn't, wouldn't, you know, if Matt Corral gets first round capital, uh, maybe lands at a team like uh, who would be Carolina, maybe. I think we mentioned earlier on with Christian Pittsburgh. McCaffrey, they might go quarterback, Pittsburgh too. Um, Denver. Yeah, with those receivers. Hoping Denver will get. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, but you know we'll we'll wait and see. Uh, but yeah, good good weapons in Denver. Or a lot of teams that could use, and a dual threat does run a little bit. So um, yeah, I wouldn't wouldn't talk anyone out of that if, if they wanted to go down the quarterback path, especially in you know twelve team, ten team, super flex, fourteen team super flex leagues. Those quarterbacks obviously become even more valuable. Yeah, hundred percent. So I think it is. Yeah, like you said, very team dependent. I think, like, yeah, you do have a lot of quarterbacks, a lot of young quarterbacks that you want to give time to figure out whether they have it or not, whether they're going to stick in the NFL. So I think that's not a bad uh, way to go. I think you do have a lot of holes sort of on the roster. Obviously, a lot of draft capital will fill those holes over the next couple of years. Um, a player hey, you mentioned. Hey, just Joel. Before. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Go right jumping. ahead, Andrew. Um, me and Frank ranked the uh, rookie quarterbacks going forward in Dynasty last episode. Um, let's let's hear your rankings of uh, Trevor Lawrence, Fields, Mac Jones, you know, you know the class. Just give us yeah, your You have them line. all. Uh, yeah, obviously I don't have Trevor Lawrence. Um, but, you know, for the listeners, I do joke a little bit about Trevor Lawrence, you know, or Ryan Leaf with long hair. As I have called him before, but I still have to have him as the first uh, first one on that list. Um, then, obviously, with Justin Fields and Trey Lance, they just have that rushing upside. Um, and even though Mac Jones has looked really good as a good NFL quarterback, um, hard to rank him above those two if they do hit their ceilings. Um at this stage, though, I have seen Justin Fields um, enough, you know, show enough to rank him second, then Mac Jones, and then Trey Lance and Zach Wilson. But I'm not knocking Zach Wilson at all. I think he can be fine as an NFL quarterback. Just needs, you know, obviously will need time showing all the rookie mistakes. Last, you know, last two or three games has been a lot better. Um, but, yeah. I think that's the way we'll go with those rankings. I think that would be pretty close to consensus. Not sure where everyone else haven't seen the episode. Not sure where everyone else ranked them, but that's how I would rank them. Yeah, I think we ended up in a very similar spot. I think our thinking was quite the same. I think we spoke about how Trey Lance and Justin Fields have that higher ceiling in Mac Jones, but you've also seen Mac Jones be a very good NFL quarterback. So it'll be interesting to see how it pans out over the next few years. You know, those quarterbacks are going to be linked together for a long time. Everyone's going to be comparing that quarterback class. It was meant to be really good coming in. Um, you know, I guess you could call them a little bit disappointing outside of Mac Jones, but I do think they've all got uh, really good talent. Um, we sort of gave a bit of context uh, last episode where we spoke about how 
We were talking about landing spots and we were talking about possibly the Denver Broncos going quarterback in this draft class. It made me think that if they weren't going to take Justin Fields last season, I don't know why they would take uh, Matt Corral because I would have Justin Fields as a better prospect as Matt Corral. Just to give context for this draft class coming up, though. Yeah, 100%. Um, the, the quarterback class in this draft isn't great, but, you know, I just thought, if Matt Corral lands in the right spot, I think you really should consider taking him 101 in the top three picks. But, um, you know, I'll let I'll let Joel write out Zach Wilson and, you know, that experiment. Yeah, they've definitely got upside. You know, even, you know, Matt Corral, Kenny Pickett, Sam Howell, Malik Willis, Carson Strong, they've all got upside. I don't think – I think it'd be uh, wrong to write them off totally. You know, quarterback's such a hard position to evaluate. NFL teams get it wrong every year. So you really don't know where the stars are going to come from. Um, what I will move on to is a player that Joel mentioned that he's uh, very interested in, uh, definitely someone that I don't think he'll leave the uh, our rookie draft without this player, just in my personal opinion. Um, it is Traylon Burks, and he's basically just your prototypical alpha wide receiver. He's six foot three, 225 pounds, and he's just uber athletic. So he's just incredibly fast. For a player his size, he just moves as if he was, you know, that four inches shorter. He moves as if he was that sub six foot wide receiver. Just runs with such, so much power. Um, incredibly uh, agile. Gets in and out of his breaks really well. Um, per PFF, he had a 90.8 uh, receiving grade. So just incredibly high. That's, you know, as a percentile, that's just, just incredibly high. He's just really, really efficient. Gets open, makes uh, contested catches. He basically everything you want in your number one wide receiver if you're an NFL team. Um, he's also 90th percentile in yards per route. He's you know, averaging 3.57 yards per route. So just, you know, just from being out there and running his routes, he's getting the ball. He's, you know, he's racking up those yards. Um if I was to compare him to an NFL prospect, and again, Joel is going to absolutely love this comp. I think he's just another AJ Brown. I think, you know, that big body wide receiver that's incredibly fast gets open, but can also make those contested catches. He just makes it incredibly hard for defenses to stick with him. I think he's just, you know, too big, too strong and too fast. Um, it just makes it so, so hard for corners to keep up when, you know, they just made, maybe they're just a subpar athlete to this guy. Um, he accounted for 42% of his team's passing offense. And that's something I look for if I'm, you know, evaluating wide receivers coming into the NFL, you want someone that even at a college level, they're dominating. You want them to get all the touches out of the team. Cause you want to see that the coaching staff has seen this player and they've seen, Hey, he's better than everyone else I have on my roster. I'm going to get him the ball more than anyone else. So I think that's a really clear indicator that the player is, supremely talented that they are an NFL talent and that they're going to uh, basically have a really good NFL career. Um, he accounted for 50% of the touchdowns for that, for Arkansas. I think he's just everything. He ticks every box. As far as I'm evaluating wide receivers, he just ticks every box. Um, incredibly young breakout age, you know, when he came in to the program and he basically just, you know, from day one, he was contributing to that team. So that's what you want to see from a young wide receiver like that. What do we think guys? Yeah, I'm going to jump in first this time. Um, just sounds like he fits into my wide receiver room, uh, you know, team weight room, as we like to call it. DK Metcalf, AJ Brown, Traylon Burke. Sounds like a formidable trio for the future. Um, yeah, nothing I've uh, seen or heard from uh, anyone about Traylon Burke is negative, fast, should dominate the combine, get draft capital. Obviously, landing spot and 
where he goes will matter. But, um, yeah, obviously for a receiver, probably less than a running back. Um, but, yeah, we'll uh, we'll hopefully somewhere with a good young quarterback and we'll, we'll uh, go from there with Traylon Burks. Yeah, I was about to say what something you just said, Joel, about uh, landing spot not mattering as much for the wide receiver. I was going to uh, kick over to Andrew. Do you agree with that, that uh, wide receivers, their landing spot doesn't really matter as much as a running back? I feel like our talent wins out in the NFL. Would you agree with that statement? Yeah, 100%. Like, um, look at Jamar Chase. Like, T. Higgins was there. He had, you know, 900 yards and six touchdowns as a rookie. Like, I had him in redraft. T. Higgins was the man as a rookie. And then, you know, the Bengals take... Jamar Chase, um, you know, controversial at the time, but, you know, I think it think it makes sense now. And, you know, he took over and he is probably the number one. I think T Higgins, you know, and Jamar Chase can, you know, be cohesive together. But, yeah, it's just um, receivers, you know, the landing spot isn't as important as um, running back. Because, like, Derrick Henry went to the Titans and he had to sit, sit a year behind um, DeMarco Murray, like ridiculous stuff. But, um, yeah. That was a painful example. time. That was painful watching that. I remember that. Good times, though. What yeah, do you, but uh, Traylon Burks. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. yeah, Traylon Burks, like, um, I don't know if you mentioned this, Frank, but, you know, he's projected to run a 4-3 in the 40s. Like, when I watched... Um, That's you blistering. Know, when I, yeah, when I watched Traylon Burks, like, I was expecting, you know, big dude to moss people, which, like, he does. But, like, he's a burner. Like, he's insanely fast. Like, he does it all. But, um, yeah, I just wanted to add that, you know... Um, Definitely a 101 candidate in this uh, in this rookie draft. Yeah, it's actually some, this is something we went over in our last episode as well, Joel. But since we've got you here, how do you rank the uh, wide receivers coming into the uh, this coming into the NFL in uh, the next NFL draft? I don't know how familiar you are. Uh, some of the names that we mentioned were you know Traylon Burke, Drake London, who I spoke about last episode. Um, then you had likes of. Uh, uh, what's it's called? Um, David Bell. You also have uh, Chris Olave, and then you also have uh, there was one more, I believe, Garrett Wilson. That's who I was thinking of. So, where do you rank those guys? Uh, yeah, so Burks one, um, probably Drake London two, and name um, evades me, but the wide receiver from Alabama. At oh, three. Okay. So you're very high on Jamison Williams. That's interesting. Yes. Yeah. Again, yes, I don't, I, I, I couldn't, I, I don't hate that. I don't hate the take. I think he's very handy as well. Yeah. But uh, obviously with, with all this, like, you know, what they do at the combine and their landing spots will all influence this so much more, so, so much than just watching film and, you know, deciding you know who i think is the best player but like ultimately that is the most important for me anyway that will become the most important part where they land and the draft capital that they receive yeah draft capital is massive and i think that's why it's important to not just you know uh do your studying once you know it'd be uh, pretty stupid of us to you know try and make projections now and who we would take now. Obviously we want to uh, stay up to date as much as we can. And that's why we do uh, these episodes and why we have these talks. So we have the most up-to-date news on where we sort of rank these guys. But as we get closer to the NFL draft, as we get closer to draft season, um, we'll be able to sort of slide these guys into a more concrete position. That's why it's really important for you guys to keep tuning in to see where we have these guys ranked going forward. 
what we might do now is we actually might kick over to Joel to uh, to get him over for his specialty. Um, like I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, he has a few uh, hot tips that he thinks uh, could win our listeners some money uh, this coming weekend for the NFL. So go right ahead, Joel. Uh, yeah, thanks. So obviously the most important segment of the episode week on week, um, win the listeners some money. Um, just had a flick, quick flick through the lines for this week's upcoming games and, um, you know, courtesy of Sportsbet. Um, this week, the best bet of the card will be Chargers minus nine and a half points versus the Texans. Um, look, last week, if you had told me this line, this line could have been 13, could have been 14 and a half. Obviously, the Texans had a big win over the Jaguars. I'm not forgetting that the Texans coming into this season were college-level talent-wise. And just I think there is going to be opportunities to bet against them to end the season. I don't think that roster has any talent. And to only be giving up nine and a half just doesn't seem like enough points. Um, Obviously, Chargers lost Heartbreaker in overtime last week. Um, Justin Herbert will be looking to bounce back from that. Obviously, he had a few controversial fourth down decisions. Um, I agreed with them all. Um, I think, you know, that's what they've been doing all season, going for those fourth downs, and it has been working. It just did pay off against the Chiefs. But, <clears throat> um, yeah, minus nine and a half just doesn't seem like enough points for the Chargers. Um, yeah, that, that'll be my best bet of the week for this week, NFL Slater games. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. I don't think nine and a half is enough points. I think uh, maybe a little bit of compensation from that uh, Jacksonville Jaguars win and then that loss to the Kansas City Chiefs. Like you said, we game, wanna, I want to be clear here. The, I'm in complete agreement with Joel. You go for it on game, those fourth downs. The game is also in Houston, and that doesn't bother me at all. The Chargers don't have a home field advantage anyway. Like some of those crowds they get in LA are borderline, you know, 70-30 opposition to Chargers fans. So being away doesn't bother me. Um, you know, Houston, they're not going all the way across the country. Um, yeah, it doesn't doesn't bother me at all. It just it doesn't seem enough points. I would have been happy to go all the way up to 13 and a half. Um, I think you're stealing those four points. Yeah, as a Broncos fan, it was always fantastic to see that sea of orange, whether it was in San Diego or whether it was in LA the last couple of years. It always ends up being more Broncos fans than there are LA Chargers fans. Oh, yeah, right. it's just it's 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 rough for LA. Um, for, you know, they have to fill that big, massive new stadium, and they you know constantly get invaded with people going to visit LA go to a game, watch their favorite team. Um, but yeah, in this, in this case, the charges nine and a half, no problems at all laying the points. Fantastic. Um, it's been really, really good to have you guys on. Thank you, Joel, for making a guest appearance for us. It's uh, really good to have you on the podcast. Uh, you bring a lot of insight as well. Sometimes controversial takes, but uh, I think it just means that 
me and Andrew are constantly, you know, evaluating whether we get some new ideas in. Sometimes when you talk to the same person, a lot of the times you end up with the sort of same ideas. So to get a fresh, uh, kind of what people say is you get a fresh pair of eyes, you see different things and um, you notice different things. So get to, so to get a different take um, on the topics that we bring up is really, really good. So I want to thank you for that. Uh, Andrew, as always, thank you for being a fantastic co-host. Uh, we look forward to having another episode, uh, getting that one out to you guys very soon. Uh, thanks again, guys, and enjoy the rest of your night. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Addict Dynasty podcast. Follow the podcast on Instagram at NFL Fantasy Addict. And be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to make sure you don't miss a second of the action.